The sermon preached at St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church of Hancock, Minnesota, a member of the Wells, on July 13, 2014, based on Romans 5, verses 12 through 15. Please stand. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word from God through which the Holy Spirit directs us to God's grace in Christ is the second lesson, Romans 5, verses 12 through 15. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. To be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam, to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass, for if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many. This is the word of our Lord. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, fellow saints, washed clean in the blood of our risen Savior. Amazing grace often takes the first spot in surveys of favorite hymns. It's used throughout our society, both inside and outside the church. Even Programs that are non-Christian, like like The Simpsons or, or, or Star Trek, which at times can actually be anti-Christian, have used amazing grace in a respectful way. When we look at how popular that hymn is, we might well wonder whether maybe our society isn't as unchristian as we imagine it to be sometimes. Unfortunately, though, so often... Amazing grace is used without any thought as to what the words refer to. For us who have been brought up knowing the good news of Jesus Christ, we cannot hear that word grace without thinking of Jesus and what he has done to save sinners like you and me. What amazing grace. And and John Newton, as he wrote that hymn, certainly had Jesus in his heart and mind thinking of the grace that had come to him through Jesus Christ. And yet, when the world hears of grace, it doesn't think of Jesus. It has very different thoughts in its mind and heart. Yes, even though that hymn seems to bring hope to many in the face of loss and tragedy, it's not the hope that's found in Jesus Christ. And the danger for us is that we live in this society, in this culture, and it's easy for those kinds of thinking, that kind of thinking to to leak into our hearts and minds as well and, and, and diminish our appreciation of just how amazing God's grace is. It's so easy to let the world's thinking infiltrate our hearts. And that's where these words from Romans chapter 5, 
help put up that barrier, you might say, against the world's thinking by directing us back to Jesus Christ. Yes, how much more our faith would grow and our lives be changed the more we contemplate God's grace in Christ. Through these words from Romans chapter 5, even though it's just a handful of verses, the Holy Spirit uses these words to show us just how amazing God's grace is so that our hearts and minds stand all the more in awe and wonder, marveling at the overflowing greatness of God's grace in Christ. Through these words, may the Holy Spirit lead each of us to exclaim all the more, Oh, how grace overflows. That's the theme here today. And that grace overflowed to all over whom death reigned. That's part one. And that grace overflowed only from the one man, Jesus Christ. That's part two. Oh, how grace overflows. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And John Newton certainly knew his own wretchedness as he wrote those words. He was born in London in 1725. His mother taught him Bible verses and, uh, and, and, and hymns until her death when he was only seven years old. But he left behind his childhood faith. At the age of 17, he was inducted into the Royal Navy, but he deserted. He came to join a slave ship. And even after he turned back to the Lord at the age of 23, he continued that life as a slaver for several more years. Eventually, he studied for the ministry and served the church. But he never forgot that wretchedness that lived within him. In fact, he is his self-chosen epitaph on his grave marker reads, John Newton, once an infidel and libertine, a servant of slavers in Africa, was by the rich mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, preserved, restored, pardoned, and appointed to preach the faith he had long labored to destroy. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. He well understood these words of the Apostle Paul, all sin. But the world, the world and our society does not understand those words. When it hears of wretchedness in that hymn, Amazing Grace, the world doesn't talk about some sort of inner wretchedness as if, if we were unworthy. The world interprets that wretchedness as the fact that some people live in a rather wretched, lowly circumstances. And that, according to the world, it's our own inner graciousness that can lift them out of their wretched poverty and uh, give them a better life. Do you see how that kind of thinking totally destroys the truth this hymn is 
meant to express. And the danger for you and me isn't that we'll be drawn full length into thinking like the world does here. But it's so easy for us to downplay our own wretchedness as well. Being pulled along just a little bit by the world here. For example, even, even though we have a better understanding of this hymn, we can still fall into the kind of thinking that might say something like this. Yes, John, Mr. Newton, you had rather a wretched life there. And if God's grace could save someone even like you, God shouldn't have any trouble saving someone like me. Do you see how that totally rejects God's grace, that kind of thinking? What about when we hear of a a horrendous crime, murder, rape, child molestation, or, or when we learn of Hitler and the Holocaust, and we think to ourselves, how could anyone be that bad? And we become outraged at how great the wickedness of some of those people out there are. But we fail to recognize and confess that the wickedness and evil that lives in them also lurks inside each one of us, inside you and me. John Newton did not write a wretch like them, but a wretch like me, like you. And that's what these first verses of the text seek to bring out here that each and every one of us are all sinners, wretched sinners. And to do that, the Apostle Paul takes us all the way back to Adam. Just as death came to into the world through the one man, Adam, and death through sin. We all have inherited the same sinfulness from Adam, haven't we? Paul doesn't say or doesn't talk about as if there were two different groups, you know, the bad sinners and then the not-so-bad sinners. No. We're all in that same category. Wretched sinners. We have all inherited that sinfulness passed down from Adam through all the generations since then. The 20th century hymn writer Martin Franzman put it this way, In Adam, we have all been one, one huge, rebellious man. What wretched sinners we are. And the proof of that? The proof is that we all die. There is no such thing as a partial death, as if someone weren't quite so bad a sinner as someone else, so they only partially die. No. Death came into the world because all sinned, each and every one of us. Now, we don't all sin in the same way. And Paul brings that out here as well when he talks about how how Adam sinned by breaking a very specific command that God had given him, a specific command that also outlined the punishment he would receive. 
Remember back there in the garden how God told Adam, you may eat from any of these trees in the garden, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you must not eat. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. Now, Adam sinned by breaking that specific commandment. And yet God did not speak a specific commandment and spell out the punishment again until he gave the law at Mount Sinai in the days of Moses. And yet from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, those people were still sinners, even though they didn't break a specific command spoken directly to them by God like Adam did. They were still sinners. And the proof of that? They died. Death reigned. And still today, each and every one of us dies. The proof of our own sinfulness. Each and every person dies, young and old, rich and poor, the powerful, the weak, the good, the bad. Even babies are sinful, for even babies can die. Every casket, every grave, every cemetery preaches how serious sin is. Sin makes us worthless wretches. Sin leaves us totally unworthy and undeserving. Sin brings much we need God's grace, his undeserved love, his unmerited kindness. So what good news that his grace overflowed to all over whom death reigned. Yes, that same multitude who have been sinners because of Adam, which means you and me, have also been shown God's grace. His grace overflowed to all over whom death reigned. Now those who deny their own wretchedness and don't really see why they need God's grace, they, they reject God's grace. Death still reigns over them. And where death reigns, there will be only hell and torment. But that's not because God's grace fell short or wasn't enough for them. No, his grace overflowed to all. And since his grace has overflowed to all over whom death reigns, it has overflowed to you, dear sinner, and to me. What great good news that is. No matter how wretched our life is, no matter how how great our sin, God's grace has overflowed to you. Believe that good news. As amazing, as wonderful as it is, believe that good news. God's grace has overflowed to you. And it has flowed to you from the one man, Jesus Christ. And that brings us to the second part here today. How God's grace doesn't have multiple sources. You won't find it looking here or there. It comes from only one source. Only from the man, Jesus Christ. And again, even though in the hymn, Amazing Grace, Newton doesn't expressly talk about Jesus and his saving work. Like you and me, Newton could not have thought of grace without thinking of what Jesus has done for us. And and he certainly talks more expressly about Jesus in some of his other hymns, such as How Sweet the Name of Jesus Sounds. But just 
so that we are clear. Notice how in the, the text here, Paul ties grace, God's grace, directly to Jesus Christ. How much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? This verse and many others make it clear that you cannot have God's grace, you cannot think of God's grace without knowing and believing in Jesus Christ. Think of all the other verses that that tie grace to Jesus Christ. Think of John chapter 1. The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Or Ephesians chapter 2. God, who is rich in mercy, raised us up, made us alive with Christ, in Christ, while we were still dead in uh, transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Or think of how often the apostle began his letter to the churches with the words, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Even though the world wants to leave Jesus out of the picture, there is no grace without Christ. God's grace comes only from Jesus Christ, the one man, our Savior. And that grace that flows from Jesus Christ overflows freely. It's the undeserved kindness of God that gave his one and only son to be the sacrifice for our sins. He did not spare his son, but gave him up for you. God's grace overflows freely at no charge to you or me. It is God's free gift because Jesus has already paid the price in full. He gave his life as that payment on the cross to rescue you and me from sin and death. God's grace overflows freely, proclaiming forgiveness to wretched sinners like us, complete and full forgiveness how that grace overflows through the water and word of baptism and and the bread and wine of the Lord's Supper, bringing forgiveness, sweet forgiveness, to your believing hearts. Oh, how grace overflows. Keep on believing this good news, dear friends. Believe it as you cherish how amazing God's grace in Christ, truly is. Contemplate this grace as you take to heart his word and reflect this grace as you see others not only as wretched sinners, but as fellow wretched sinners for whom Christ died just as he died for you. Oh, how God's grace overflows. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.